Oh yeah. I'd like to welcome you to the Ball Hard Podcast. Myself, D.O., and I'm here with my man, Manny. D.O., I don't know if you're ready, though. What do you mean? Are you ready to go for the first episode of Ball Hard? Well, there's only two words I could say. I got to give you a, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, the first thing is, this is our first podcast that we're doing. It's called Ball Hard. Why is it called Ball Hard? What is Ball Hard to you? Well, I think the reason we had to go with that is because, you know, when we're talking sports, I like guys who ball hard. They leave it all on the line. And with football, I mean, you got to leave it all on the line because otherwise you're going to get hurt. You're going to be injured. So you got to be fired up and you got to ball hard. But what's what's the other reason, man? Um, the other side of balling hard is, you know, how you go about enjoying sports. And mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, whether you're going to a tailgate party whether you're having the, the party at home, whether you're visiting different stadiums, whether you're, you know, just champagne and campaign and outside in a different city. Um, we like to do that, and we like players to do that. So it's kind of a double meaning for us. And, you know, the tailgates, whether it's basketball, football, anything, doesn't matter. We ball hard in our way, too. Yeah, I think anybody who knows how we roll when we go out, you know, we're not just the ones who are just – Sitting there for a minute, you know, standing quiet in the back. I like to go out have a good time, you know what I mean? I'm a grown man, so I got a lot of responsibilities. But when I go out, you know, I got ball hard. <laughs> yep, exactly. So with football, um, it's been a long off season, but, you know, these, these off seasons seem shorter and shorter because of all the information with the NFL network, everything going on, everything's documented. Um, there's been a lot of changes just like every year. Yeah. What were some of the biggest changes to you, the biggest off-season moves that happen and are going to have the biggest impact? Well, there's one of them that I'm not going to say because I know that's going to be number one on your list, your favorite team. But the one I'm going to go with is Elvis Dumerville. I think that's a big acquisition mm. for, the, for the Ravens because they lost so many people, you know, from Ray Lewis to Ellerby to Ed Reed to Pollard. So many people have gone on that team. And, you know, you weren't expecting you know, to pick up somebody like Dumerville, you know, with that, the way that it worked out with his contract and everything. So I think picking him up is going to make a big addition from the Ravens. They're all about the D, the defending champions. So that's a big move. The one you mentioned that you weren't going to mention because you knew I was going to say something yeah. is <laughs> Reggie Bush in Detroit. And Reggie Bush, a lot of people were down on him, but last year he showed that he can actually run the ball, he's not just going to catch it out of the backfield. But let's look back at when Reggie was in New Orleans. Yeah. And Reggie Bush caught a lot of balls in the backfield. And Reggie Bush is now in Detroit. Yep. And Detroit throws all the time. So Reggie Bush in this kind of offense, I think he's going to catch over 90 balls. Mm -hmm. Um, He's not only out of the backfield, but I think he's the best running back Detroit's had in a long time. Honestly, since since Barry Sanders, and that's saying something. It's saying how bad the draft's been, you know, to Detroit in between that time, and uh, it also speaks to the talent of Reggie Bush. Um, last year, there was 86 balls caught by running backs in Detroit, and I would test a lot of people to name me one of those running backs who are in Detroit. Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, the good thing with with Bush is he's young. He hasn't been really through the fire too much. You know, when he was in New Orleans, they were sharing it around. Stafford is going to love checking down to him. So 
But I'm going to give you another one. Um, I'm going to go with a quarterback now and throw out Alex Smith. Okay. I think that's a big move because with Kansas City, it's a huge upgrade going from Castle. Um, I think Alex Smith's going to be helped by the new coach in town. Smith was on a good team last year, but he he was also doing a good job, you know. So um, I got to go with Alex Smith as, as another number two move on my side. I like it. I'm actually going to touch on the same team and uh, Alex Smith's coach, Andy Reid. Like, Reid is walking into a great situation in KC. Yeah. You know, he's he's following up on, on the footsteps of uh, a guy I affectionately call Cheeseburger because <laughs> Romeo Cornell looks like a double cheeseburger with bacon and a Baconator all put together. Um, but Andy Reid, you know, <laughs> he probably wears the same size pants as Romeo um, on another topic. But anyways, um, his coaching, you can't get any worse than 2-14. and 14. Yeah. So there's not, nowhere to go but up, and he has the support of his GM. He's got you know ownership that's really into bringing in the the, the right people, and guys like Alex Smith is one of them. You know, and I think Dwayne Bowe is going to be really happy with that. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean, you took my number three right there too with Andy Reid. So I was going to say the same thing is once you put in a qualified head coach that's had a great track record, it's coming from the NFC East which is definitely one of the top and toughest divisions historically. So I think he's going to like playing in the AFC over there out in the West where the competition just isn't the same. You know, you don't have a team like the Raiders in the NFC East. Like the Raiders probably going to be the worst team in the league. So I think uh, Reed's going to eat that up. So that was my number three. Who, who else you got? Um, you know what? I was going to talk about uh, a guy that, that's teaming up with another guy and it used to be somebody else's guy who was Tom Brady's guy. But I think even a bigger acquisition um, oh, yeah, yeah. is in the NFC. And a lot of people aren't talking about it, but Steven Jackson to the Atlanta Falcons. Okay. Um, you know, they, Michael Turner's not there. Steven Jackson, I think he, he's always ran angry. And I think he's going to run even angrier. Atlanta's had a lot of stuff where they're just kind of there. Even last year, everybody's saying Atlanta's more lucky than good. Right, and um, you know, if it, it's a perfect fit uh, for a guy with a chip on his shoulder like Stephen Jackson, you don't think he's too old, though, man. I don't know. I, I think he's still got it. it. It's you know, with all these guys, especially as they get a little bit older, they always got an asterisk. Said, you know what? He's going to be really good if he stays healthy. Yeah, and it's always this if he stays healthy kind of thing, which is like the same as Danny Amendola in uh, New England. That's the right. biggest thing is like if he stays healthy, he can replace. Tom Brady's number one guy. Because that, that's what I'm wondering, if he's going to kind of be like LT when he went to the Jets. LT was on his downswing and did a little bit, but like obviously wasn't the same player he was in San Diego. But I mean, the good thing with LT was he had a lot of success in San Diego where Steve Jack, man, I mean, he's fought through some tough years <laughs> in St. Louis. So hopefully he comes in, you know, rejuvenated and, and can bring home something from my, my boy, Tony Gonzalez, you know? Yeah, it might be more of a split situation with, uh, I think they still got Jacquez Rogers back there. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a nice change of pace. So yeah. uh, speaking of change of pace, man, we're going to go into a new segment. Um, I think this is going to be one of my favorite segments is, is the ball hard segment where we talk about a few players or, or teams. doesn't matter what it's going to be, but this week we're going to look at the rookies. And it's either going to be he's going to ball hard or he's going to ball soft. So I'm, I'm going to throw one out at you, man. Um, Geno Smith. <laughs> right off the bat, we got a ball sock candidate. There's a, you know what? He's in a no-win situation with these guys, man. The Jets, oh, my God. It's just a disaster. 
You know, they're getting the only reason people are talking about them is because they're in New York. And honestly, I'm getting sick of it. They're they're number one on on the headlines, and I think that's the only thing they're going to be number one in. Um, they might be number one in yards allowed. These guys just have zero offense. I don't care if it's the preseason, regular season. I think we're going to see a couple. You know, I think we're going to see some single digit games from the New York Jets offense. Geno Smith, okay. Geno Smith's okay. Who are you going to throw to? Nobody. Right. Who are you going to hand the ball off to? Nobody. They got nothing going on when it comes to offense, and it's really a waste of a conversation. And I think whether it's Gino, whether it's Mark Sanchez there, it really doesn't matter. I don't think they're they're worth talking about even. What do you think of Gino? I got to go with a ball soft too. And I feel bad saying it because I don't watch college that much, but I know Gino Smith because he was lighting it up. But when it comes to the NFL, a lot of it is falling into the right team the right organization that will groom you. And I'm not saying that you have to wait a year or wait six games as a rookie to come in, but you have to have that right culture around you. And, you know, things could turn bad in a hurry for Gino. So what I want to see, though, is how he handles the adversity because that's going to tell you a lot about his career because, you know, if he comes out and throws three interceptions in a game like he did in the preseason game, but in a regular season game, man, they're going to crucify the boy. So it's going to really be tough on him if he doesn't come out firing. Then they're going to, what, call for Sanchez to come back or or they just signed Brady Quinn. So I I don't know. It's it's kind of a mess. But uh, another one I'm going to put on the list, though, is Denard Robinson. And what is he to you? Ball hard. Man, I don't even know how effective he's going to be, but he's going to be fun. And he's a guy that you're going to catch on the highlight reels because nobody knows what he's going to do. You know, is he going to be special teams? Is he going to be a running back? Are they going to throw him in as quarterback? Is he going to be a wide receiver? I don't know, but he's going to be exciting and he's going to do something special. Yeah, I, I got to agree, man. That, that's a ball hard for me. And the only thing I don't know is how much he's going to actually be utilized over in Jacksonville. But to me... What the hell do they got to lose? They right. got nothing else going on in Jacksonville. Might as well throw a guy that can, you know, put some fans in the seats. You know, a guy that don't that don't tie his shoes. Maybe <laughs> he might get fined by the No Fun League for that one. But, um, you know, throw him in on the punt return. Throw him in on the kick return. Throw him in a gadget play. See what happens, man. You got nothing else. You got Blaine Gabbert, the scaredest quarterback in the league. Um, you know, this guy, he has one special move, which is, you know, just ducking down and get sacked. That's Blaine Gabbert's best move he's got in the NFL. So throw in Denard Robinson. See what he gets, man. See what happens. Yeah, he's going to be excited for sure. Um, how about EJ Manuel? Hmm. This is a ball hard for me. Oh, whoa. You know, you know for me, EJ Manuel, I like EJ Manuel. He's out there. He doesn't have too much competition. He's got one guy named Tool, mm-hmm. and the other guy named Cobb, and he might be done for the year. You know, Buffalo kind of showed their hand by bringing in Matt Leinert for competition. But EJ Manuel, he's been solid through the preseason. Um, but I like him because of the support he has. You know, you compare him to other rookie quarterbacks, and, you know, he's got his Stevie Johnson, but he has CJ Spiller. Mm-hmm. And this is the number one reason I think EJ Manuel is going to do well. They can run the option with a guy like Spiller. EJ Manuel's, uh, you know, he can run too. Yeah. So as long as he makes decisions. Um, good decisions. I think that's that's the biggest thing because you can have a mobile quarterback which lets your running back go crazy, which is a reason I think C.J. Spiller is going to have a huge year if E.J. Manuel is in the game. Yeah. But you can see the difference between mobile quarterbacks when it comes to like a guy like Russell Wilson and a guy like Cam Newton. 
mm-hmm. a guy that you know kind of relies on his legs uh, in Cam Newton, and a guy that uses his legs even just to you know move the pocket like a Russell Wilson and run if he has to. So it's going to be interesting to see what EJ Manuel does. What do you think of him? I, I'm kind of like a ball hope so, but <laughs> you know I, I'm going to say ball hard. Just for those reasons you illustrated, I think he's just in that better situation. You know, and if you compare him to Geno, when you're in Buffalo, they want you to succeed, especially if you're the type of guy who comes in there as a leader of men, as somebody who wants to be in Buffalo, as somebody who's going to be out in the community signing autographs or hanging out with the kids. And that's the kind of guy that EJ looks like right now. You never know what you're going to get with Buffalo. They've suffered with so many tough seasons. So, if he can come in there and provide a little hope for that fan base, that's that's what I'm hoping for. The flip side of it is if he does poorly, if that injury is worse or if he gets knocked out, then they could still draft the number one quarterback next year. Even though they drafted him in the first round, they're not too pot committed with him. you got to throw him out there. They don't have any other options. I like this pot committed reference because you know we're going to be talking about a lot of gambling coming up. Don't yeah, exactly. get into that in our week one podcast. But uh, let me ask you about, I know one of your favorite guys, man, one of America's favorite guys, the Honey Badger. Oh, Honey Badger. Yeah, I, I think he's going to ball hard. You know, you got to love somebody like that who who just comes in with that that fresh energy and enthusiasm. Sure, he's got a well-documented past, but I think, you know, being in Arizona with Patrick Peterson, his old college teammate, is is putting him in a position to succeed. And I think with that on his back, he can make some exciting plays. The only thing you got to be worried about from watching him and reading about it is that he might try to make the big play too much, which will give up a big play. And I think that's something he's going to learn really quick. (laughs) You know, it's nice to make a big play, nice to make an interception, but you don't want to let a touchdown go and and 76 yards any other way just because you failed to to make a tackle. So um, I think he's learned his lesson. Uh, will learn his lesson as well, and I think he'll ball hard. Kind of like the Reggie Bush syndrome in his rookie year, just trying to make too much yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with the ball hard, man. I look at this guy as like kind of a do-everything kind of player, and it reminds me of kind of like a guy like a Steve Tasker in Buffalo, man. Just put him in for whatever. You mm-hmm. want him to return a punt, kick return, special teams, punt coverage, you know, um, put him at safety, just throw him at different positions and let him make plays. And, you know, your versatility will keep you in the league. If you can play multiple positions and you enjoy playing special teams, you will stay in the league. Well, that's that's what I call a football player, man, is somebody who can adapt and play those different positions. They're not just into one thing. You know I got to drop his name one time. Your, your boy, Tim Tebow. <laughs> I think his his limitation is, come on, buddy. You know, at this point, pick up another position, man. I, I don't know if it's going to be fullback or tight end, but do something else. And and that's what we're talking about, Denard and Honey Badger. They're willing to do something else. Yeah, man. Yeah. You, you know, and, uh, you know, I know Tim Tebow's in the news a lot, but let's talk about a guy who was in the news a lot in the off season mm-hmm. for the wrong reason. Manti Teo. Yeah. And, you know, this is a guy, I think, um, this is ball soft to me. You know, he's landed in a it couldn't have been a worse situation. He's in San Diego. And I think they're in the uh in the cellar of the AFC and they have zero chance in their division. Even though people look at San Diego saying, Oh, they got Phillip Rivers, they got this, they got that, they got nobody. They lost their best defensive player in Sean Phillips. They don't have a pass rush. To be a, effective as a linebacker, 
you have to have an effective pass rush. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think they have anybody on either side of the ball. They lost all the receivers, and they're in a losing program, and I don't think it's a place where Manti Teo is going to flourish. I think he's the type of guy that needs a system, a well-established team, and uh, he's in the wrong place. Well, it's funny you say that because for some of those reasons, I think it's a good situation for him. So I, I'm going to go with the ball hard. I think San Diego is a great landing spot for him. Um, he's going to get a lot of comparisons um, to Junior Seau. I mean, obviously not the same caliber of player. You can't judge them yet. But just the fact that it's a little off the radar. Secondly, um, because he's not going to get all the press and attention for everything. Secondly, his teammates have really, you know, seemed to stuck it stick it out for him so far and embrace him and that's a good thing and because you're not looking at San Diego as a top team you know that's another reason why you know he can feel a little bit looser and play strong I mean this is a guy who a lot of people thought could win the Heisman so I gotta give it to him yep I think he might ball hard okay so that's the end of the first segment of the uh the first inaugural ball hard segment which we're going to have in every every podcast going forward. Um, something I wanted to ask you, Dee, and this is not really in our notes or anything that we had slotted to talk about, but I want to compare three quarterbacks. Okay. And I want your opinion on them. Yeah. Who would you pick and why out of Jay Cutler, Philip Rivers, and Andy Dalton? Oh, man, I thought you were going to throw in like somebody I like out in that mix, maybe <laughs> like a big band or something, you know? Oh, that's too easy. Um, okay, so Cutler, Rivers, and, and who was the third one? Andy Dalton. Uh, let me let me go with Cutler. I, I think Cutler could have a big year because he's a free agent after this year. He's in a new offensive system with a coach that's offensive-minded. You know, I always got to give it up for a coach who coached in Canada for a while, our boy Tressman um, mm-hmm. in Montreal. So uh, he's got a, a great target in Brandon Marshall. Um, he's got Matt Forte there, too, to dump the ball down to. And, and he's always, you know, had flashes of brilliance. So maybe this is the year he puts it all together. So I'm going to go with Cutler. Hmm. See, I don't know about no Cutler, man, because I think Tressman, yeah, that's great. He's, you know, from the CFL, wish him all the luck. But he'd have better luck having Anthony Cavill, um, bringing Ooh. him to the Bears and, and doing better. Because Jay Cutler, as good as he can be, is... The number one guy, I think the number one, is, is between him and Phillip Rivers for probably the most end zone interceptions. Right. And these guys, I swear you just look for it, and you can call it half the time. 50% of the time you're going to say, oh, here comes the INT. Bang! Jay Cutler, Phillip Rivers, right in the end zone, running back for a pick six. It always happens to these guys. And it's funnier because of their reactions to it. Nobody gets madder than Phillip Rivers. <laughs> and maybe second behind Jay Cutler's disgusted look, either after that or after a sack. Um, my guy's Andy Dalton, hands down, out of this pack. Philip Rivers got no one to pass to, and even when he did last year, he proved he was nothing without uh, Vincent Jackson. Right. And uh, Jay Cutler only throws to Brandon Marshall, so <laughs> he's got one guy to throw to and uh, you know doesn't develop any other receiver. Um, Andy Dalton has a great relationship with A.J. Green. Um, and A.J. Green came in the league at the same time as Andy, and they got a great chemistry. But even beyond A.J. Green, they got a couple other guys. I think they got, uh, who's that guy? Hawkins is in there. They got uh, Jermaine Gresham, yeah, Gresham. tight end. You know, they got some tight ends over there that are going to make some noise. And I think Dalton's the guy that, even in a gritty division, 
like the AFC North. Yeah. Andy Dalton doesn't blink an eye at the Baltimore-Pittsburgh defense and always gives them a tough game. Yeah, I got to give it to him. You know, uh, being a Steelers fan, I, I see a lot of Andy Dalton. And to take that team to the playoffs the last couple years, that's, that's amazing. And this year, I... A lot of people are ranking them as one of the top, you know, five to ten teams in the league, and and justifiably so. So, yeah, I think Dalton's a strong guy, but Rivers, what happened to the guy? I remember two years ago at the end of the year, I thought it must be an injury, you know, because he was throwing so many INTs or just the ball wasn't coming off good off of him. And so I thought last year he'd, he'd have a bounce back year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, like being in that weak division, you know, San Diego was always rising to the top, and he seemed like a tough guy back in the day, too. Like, I remember, I don't know if he, it was like he broke his leg or in the game or something, something happened, twisted his ankle, and he right. still played. Um, right. And he was effective. But yep. um, but now, you know, maybe with the new coach, but I don't know. He's just a hero, man. And this year, just like last year, he's a hero without a cause, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, but um, here's one of those things, though, man. I, I got to say this, though. Since we're talking about ball hard, I mean, we, we could say if those guys ball hard, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, Andy Dalton, Cutler maybe. But one of the things when you said those three guys, the one reason that sticks out to me that I don't gravitate to them is as a quarterback, I also want to see that you are a guy that would ball hard. You know, I'm not saying that you got to come out to the club with me and buy up the bar, but I'm saying like a guy that I'd like to roll with. Jay Cutler, man, he's so aloof, and, you know, it's like his teammates don't like him. You know, if you go out to the bar with Phil Rivers, you know, he's probably just ordering a cranberry juice. Would you like to roll out with your boy Andy Dalton? You never know. He might be a sleeper, man. You know, I, I think redheads are in, are in style for girls these days, so you never know, man. He, they, they might like some Andy Dalton at the club, and uh, you might end up with some free bottles and stuff. Philip Rivers, just like you said, probably goes out like he's on his period, and... Uh, <laughs> And Jay Cutler, you know what? While we're talking about ball hard, I don't want to go on a tangent here. But an interesting fact about Jay Cutler. Yeah, what's that? Um, there was a couple of years ago, and my brother used to go to school with a guy named Andy Fantuz, who's a big receiver in the Canadian Football League. Yeah. And he had a tryout with the Chicago Bears. And during tryouts, all the Bears used to go to the basketball court. And he told a story. He said, you know, who do you think is the best basketball player? out of all the Chicago Bears. And this is when, you know, Julius Peppers was there at the time, too. Oh, yeah, Peppers. And obviously you're like, yeah, Julius Peppers. You know, he's huge. And he's like, Jay Cutler was dunking all over everybody. Really? All over people. Huh. Yeah, during that whole time, it was just unbelievable. But, sure, you can maybe ball in the basketball court, but who I would want to go out with, if I'm going to go hit the town, maybe a guy like a, maybe like a Colin Kaepernick, man. Yeah, maybe, maybe give him some RG three. That's he's he's like the mayor of Washington. Yeah, you know I can't go wrong with either of those choices, man. I, I'm gonna throw two out out at you for different reasons. You know, yep. the first one, I I'd like to go with my boy Gino. You know, that's yep. why, because <laughs> with Gino, you know he's gonna have a good time soaking it in as a quarterback in New York, especially if the. If the team won that night, you know they're going out and celebrating. <laughs> you know, you know he balling hard, and you know he's probably rolling with Jay. You know, back there, you get into every club in New York. And the other guy is is Russell Wilson, man. You know, I don't look at him as a guy who'd be out there partying, throwing down, but just just rolling with the guy. You know, he's got to be the mayor of Seattle. You know, everybody yeah. loves him up there. So, 
Uh, I've never done it up in Seattle, but you know, I'm, I'm sure you'd have a good time if you were rolling with him, though, too. Oh, Seattle's a nice place, man. I went out there, and uh, anybody who ever goes out there, make sure after the bar you hit a place called 13 Coins. That's the best place to go, and you're going to see a lot of people there, too. Um, and honestly, that, that's the best stadium I've ever been to in my life. The one out there, it is the loudest. People talk about, you know, the 12th man and yeah. all that stuff, and you think it's nonsense. But honestly, it's 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 the loudest stadium I've ever been in, and I'm talking in comparison even to the big house that holds 108,000 people. So it's a, it's a loud place, and it's it's legit. Oh yeah, man! That I was just uh, on vacation, and one of the guys I was talking to was uh, from Seattle. And he yep. was saying just the same thing you are, but he's saying like how you feel the ground shake. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. That is that crazy. So, so yep. yeah, big, big shout out to Seattle. You know they're, they're a strong team. But um, let's go into one of the final segments. We're almost wrapped up here, and we each have a surprise and disappointment in the league when we're talking as far as teams go. So, so what what do you want to go with first, man? Who's your surprise or disappointment? Let's go with the NFC disappointment. And I'm going to talk about the Green Bay Packers. Oh. I don't think they have any defense. That's a bold whatsoever. call. Yeah, because, you know, everybody's high on Aaron Rodgers. He's the golden boy. He's done, yeah. this, done that. You know, I think he's going to feel the loss of Greg Jennings, even hmm. though they're saying, you know, this guy Cobb is going to be an adequate replacement. Jermichael Finley's going to have a big year. Yeah, he was supposed to have a big year last year and the one before that. I'm not buying it. And I'm also not buying their offensive line upgrades, they, which I don't think they have any. Um, they spent their whole draft on defense, mm-hmm. and uh, they lost their leader on their defense, which I think is uh, is Woodson, Charles Woodson. Right, yeah. You know, even though he was older, wasn't a cover guy, he made the most plays on defense, out of their whole defense, um, except Matthews. Um, so I really think Rodgers is going to spend a lot of time on the ground, and because of their defense being so susceptible, um, I don't think they're going to sustain leads yeah, in the fourth quarter. For some reason, they, they get shredded sometimes. You know, just absolutely kill on D. And so, yeah, you could put up a lot of points. But, you know, I'm surprised you're saying that because, you know, I still think Green Bay is, is definitely one of the elite teams. And as we know, it's any given Sunday, and I wouldn't want to go up against Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm saying they're not ending up. I don't think they're going to be at the bottom of the NFC North. I think that's ridiculous to think that. But I don't think they're winning the division this year. Well, uh, I think you might know who I might go for a disappointment on my side, man. I mean, I see this team a lot. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, sure, they had some success last year. They they took home a championship, you know, <laughs> the Baltimore oh Ravens. You know who I'm talking about. Yep. But I don't know if the Ravens can keep it up. You know, I was... Last year, deep in the season, I thought, okay, maybe the Ravens can get hot a little bit, you know. Um, I didn't see them winning the Super Bowl, but, you know, I thought, you know, they could do some damage in the playoffs. I I have Ravens fans that are friends that, you know, were upset with their team during the whole season because they're so inconsistent. Uh Flacco is so inconsistent. Sure, he's a big game quarterback, but he's very inconsistent. I mean, this is a team I could see going 8-8. and um, being solid, but but not being a ten and six team that goes into the playoffs or gets a bye. When you're the champion, everybody's gunning for you, and they have a lot of youth and inexperience. They lost so many players that I think they're bound to have that that Super Bowl hangover. Hmm. Very interesting you say that because I think 
they're similar to the New York Giants of the NFC now where people don't expect them to do anything. And everybody was against Flacco and all this rest of it. And even without Bolden, he still got Torrey Smith, Jacoby Jones is there. Um, I think they're going to be just fine. And I really like their additions on the defensive line and Sean Phillips and um, and, uh, Elvis Dumerville. Um, So I think they're going to be fine. My actual disappointment uh, is in the same division in the AFC. My disappointment team. And it's uh, your Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, yeah. It's trendy right now to hate on the Steelers. Trendy, trendy to hate on them. Um, it's not trendy to talk about how they had the number one defense last year. Nope, it's not in the defense. You know, might be okay, just a little bit older. Yeah. But I'd be more worried about their offense. I'm really not sure who they're going to throw it to. I don't know if they're going to actually hand the ball to Felix Jones or not, or just let him, you know, hand the ball right back to Roethlisberger, let him run it. What? And, Do you uh, think we're worried about losing Mike, though? What? Mike Wallace? No, I don't think they're worried about Mike Wallace loss. So, but I didn't think he was anything last year either. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like most times, if you lose a big time receiver, you know, you're at least trying to get the guy, or or you hear something about it. But in Pittsburgh, it was kind of quiet, you know. And I think that Antonio Brown's ready to step up. I mean, he's the guy who got the big contract last year. I mm-hmm. think he's ready to step up. I think the biggest uh, problem right now is the injuries to Heath Miller. He's going to come back the tight end in a few more weeks, and Le'Veon Bell, the rookie running back. So um, I think those things are tough. But you know, I think flying under the radar in football is always a good thing. The Steelers were a good team last year that just lost a couple of games that they shouldn't have lost. You know, to the Chargers and to the Raiders. But um, I mean, I believe we were six and two, if not six and three, at one point. Uh, ben went down. We we beat the Ravens. Using you know Charlie Batch, <laughs> you know what I'm saying in, in November. Yep. Um, so I mean, don't discount my squad, man. But I'm not saying they're going to be a surprise because um, speaking of surprises, I'm going to throw out the Kansas City Chiefs. You know, mm-hmm. and this is a trendy pick. I realize a lot of people are saying they're going to be a surprise, but I yep. I, I got to go along with it. You know, I'm on that bandwagon right now um, for the simple fact that they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of Pro Bowl players. Um, we've talked about Alex Smith, Andy Reid, Jamal Charles, you know, Dwayne Bowe in the mix right there too. So um, that's my surprise team. I, you know, after a terrible year last year um, where they get the number one pick, having that number one pick as a left tackle is, is just going to help that team. And they play in a weak division. So I can see them doing some damage. Yeah, I can, I can kind of agree with that. I just don't know how much I trust Alex Smith. I'll go with another weak division where – Everybody's looking at the Houston Texans to dominate that division over there in the AFC. And I think there's going to be, not competition for them, but I think a clear second place. Oh, I know I know who you're going to say. Jacksonville. Tennessee Titans. Oh, I, th- I thought it was going to be Jacksonville. <laughs> no, man. I, I, like, uh, I like Tennessee. Tennessee. I like what they got there on offense. I like the way Jake Locker looked last year. I like his receiving corner, Kenny Britt and Nate Washington. Um, and their running backs, like, Everybody was down on Chris Johnson. I think he's going to have a bounce back year. Um, I like their coaching. The guy, who was that? Munchak really? over there. So I think their their defense is going to be just fine. I don't think they're as sneaky on special teams when they were when Steve uh, Jeff Fisher was there. But I still believe in Tennessee, and I think they're really flying under the radar, which puts me in a situation where I'm high on Tennessee, low on Pittsburgh, 
and that's the week one matchup. So I was just about to <laughs> that's say foreshadowing the week one over there, and we might have to play something on it. Yeah, exactly. I I won't even touch that right now because I know we'll get into that on the next podcast. But yeah. definitely a surprise. So we're gonna wrap things up now, though, with the final part and talk about the Super Bowl. Who who's gonna be in the big game, man? Um, I think in the AFC, it's it's kind of predictable. It's between kind of New England, Denver. Um, Houston, and I don't think anybody's come out of the AFC North, if anybody, maybe Cincinnati right. um, or Baltimore. But I think Houston, th- this is the year. Houston's going to put it together. I really like Ed Reed coming on their defense. Yeah. I think they're going to have the number one defense in the league. And as long as their offense does what they did last year, I think Houston's going to be right there, and I think they're going to win the big game this year. On the other side, uh, in the NFC, <laughs> Sean Payton. Yeah, and the New Orleans Saints are okay. making it to the big game, and I think they're going to win it. I like that pick. Yeah, I think uh, the Saints are are due for a big year. Yeah, I think they're just going to you know they're going to play angry. You know, Sean Payton's back, and they always have the talent. I know they can't get any worse on defense than they did last year, but you know, I think this is the second year of Rob Ryan's defense. I think, and uh, I think they're going to be just fine on defense and make a huge improvement, a big step that way. Here's a question for you, though, man. Yep. Can can the Texans get past the Denver Broncos? I think so. I, <laughs> I think, you know, Denver, everybody's really high on Denver and the West Welker and all the rest of it. But I think the losses on defense are going to really hurt them. Yeah. You know, the biggest two stars on defense for them last year was Vaughn Miller and Elvis Dumerville. Vaughn Miller suspended four games or six games or whatever he is. He's not going to make an impact there. Champ Bailey's kind of injured. I think he just came back to practice. But uh, with the loss of Doomerville, like they just don't have playmakers. I don't know if they're going to be able to hold leads. So Peyton Manning aired it out like really like that. You know he likes a balanced offense. And I think they're going to be forced into a lot of uh, high-scoring shootouts, which I don't like them in. But here's the thing about football is that last year the Broncos started off terrible. Right, mm-hmm. everybody was worried. They thought Peyton Manning was done, and what did they do? They ring off a string of wins, yep. you know. And Von Miller, he's out for six games, but he's not injured. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather have a superstar player come back to my team halfway through the year than it be the other way around. Because as much as we could talk about these predictions and everything we talked about in the show, everything can change the moment somebody goes down you know it could be tom brady you know it could be Peyton manning for all that matter and that's what's going to change things so i think whenever you have a player come back though um who's healthy mm-hmm. that can mix things around because you know september is a great month but really december is when you, you making that final push to get in the playoffs and i think the other team that is going to be there with the denver broncos is going to be the dallas cowboys mm. i, I kind of like it hey you know Tony Romo, for as much hate as the guy gets, man, he puts it up, man. I mean, he's, he's Brett Favre, he's a gunslinger, but he has a lot of comebacks, and he puts up a lot of yards, and, and he's got some good receivers there. I mean, they got some good defensive players. You know, you got DeMarcus Ware, you got Claiborne, who they traded up for. So you got a lot of talent. You know, everybody likes to hate on Jerry Jones, um, but for some reason, the Dallas Cowboys, everybody talks about the talent they have at the same time too so um maybe this is the year they put it all together and i'd like to see them in there i think peyton might pull it out over top of them but i'm gonna say the broncos and the cowboys are my picks 
you know what, and you brought up flying under the radar being a good thing in the NFL in some way, somehow. I don't know how, but the Dallas Cowboys are kind of flying under the radar this year, mm-hmm. which is surprising for such a public team. Yeah, um, yeah. So I think there's a lot of value uh, when it comes to even betting um, early in the season with the Dallas Cowboys because people are down on them for absolutely no reason whatsoever. I mean, that's that's what I love about football is getting back into betting season. Yep. And um, that's what we're going to do here, too, man. I mean, we haven't really discussed the whole format of each week, but I know we're going to talk about some of the games and, and not just who, who do you think is going to win, you know? No, I hate when they do that on, on TV no. without talking about the spread. Yep. I mean, the spread is, is half the fun of the game is, is seeing how the spreads move during the week. Yep. It's the great equalizer, right? Yeah. Yep. I mean, that that's what makes it even fun to watch a team like the Raiders or a team like the Jets, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so it makes yeah. Every game interesting. So there it is, y'all. I mean, uh, we made it through our first one, um, and I'm looking forward to the next one so we can talk about these week one matchups. Yep, and we'll see you guys next week. Oh yeah.